This is The Guardian. Hello and welcome to The Guardian Football Weekly. So three games to round up, all going along the lines of better team with more resources beats worse team with not as good players. Manchester City take their time before seeing off Leeds. Apparently Erling Haaland was born in Leeds and he scored against Leeds. Isn't this ironic? Don't you think? It's... I can't do the rest of Alanis Morissette. It's like needing a good holding midfielder and then getting a good holding midfielder. It isn't, but Casemiro excels for Manchester United against Forest, and Mason Mount inspires Chelsea to victory over Bournemouth, ending a run of three straight defeats around three months ago. We'll look ahead to the weekend's games, look forward to the opening of the transfer window, rue the timing of Dean Smith's sacking at Norwich, discuss a wonderful Crawley corner, and the new craze that's sweeping the nation, selecting your Football Weekly starting eleven. All that plus your questions, and that's today's Guardian Football Weekly. On the panel today, Jonathan Wilson, welcome. Morning, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you very much. Robin Cowan, hello. Good morning, Max. Uh, Fraser writes, did Barry have a lovely Christmas? Hello, Barry. Uh, hello, yes. Uh, no, I didn't. I had a shit Christmas. I had to cancel my oh. plans to go to Ireland. I've been sick as a dog. I had to drag myself out of my sick bed to be here this morning. And um, I can't remember anything that happened in the Manchester United-Nottingham Forest game because my attention span is is approximately four seconds long at the moment. Wow, wow. I mean, some listeners will say this sounds remarkably just like a normal Barry <laughs> Wick. But, but look, it's very brave of you I'm, to come I'm on a brave little soldier. Yeah, you're <laughs> the modern-day hero that we all needed. Let's start at Elland Road. Um, one, because it was last night, and two... Barry should be able to remember what happened. Uh, apart from a late rally, Wilson, all rather straightforward, really, for City, I thought. Well, I, I don't want people to turn off now, but these three games I'm talking about were all incredibly boring. <laughs> yeah, they were terrible. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Manchester City are better than Leeds. It's not a shock. Uh, they took a little while to... I mean, it was first half injury time when they get the breakthrough, but they were 3-1 better than Leeds and they won it 3-1. That, that, that's, that's what happened. Uh, yeah, on to Manchester United Forest. Uh, <laughs> Wilson, Manchester United better than Manchester Forest. I know, okay, well, let's do a bit more on this. I mean, Robin, dust down your Erling Haaland chat from a couple of months ago. Scored twice. Probably could have had four or five. A good centre forward. Uh, rinse and repeat. And yeah, yeah it, it, it's interesting because um, when I was doing the Spurs-Brentford game, they, they brought up the stats of how many times Harry Kane had touched the ball. And Matt Upson was saying, you actually don't want your striker to touch the ball that much. And I don't know how, me- how many times Haaland touched the ball yesterday, but he, he, it's just not his game, is it? He barely touches it. It's usually a one-touch finish. And yeah, I mean, you can just, as I say, just repeat all the, all the you know, descriptive. He's a machine. And yeah, he's been rested, so we've got to be even more fearful of him. Um, it's, he's ridiculous. I think actually, um, for me, for the City perspective, I thought Rico Lewis looked really... Assured, it's like another one off the uh, production line for Manchester City. Mm. They kind of produce now these players over and over again, like a sort of Phil Foden, very technically gifted. Um, so yeah, I mean, again, City looked good, and I was very sad again to see a very, very sad Jesse Marsh. It's really, it really gets me whenever they concede. He just looks yeah. so devastated. <laughs> and he'd had such a nice Christmas as well. He'd done the Inca yeah. Trail and everything, and then back mm. down to earth with this <laughs> defeat to Manchester City. Erling Haaland has now scored more Premier League goals than his dad uh, in 167 fewer games 
thanks to ESPN. And here's a stat. I don't know if this even counts as a stat, but Robert said, I served uh, an Erling carrying Alfie Harland at TGI Fridays in Leeds when Harland Jr. was a week old. This is my greatest claim to fame. <laughs> I am 39 years old. Um, I got quite the idea of, you know, has anyone has anyone met Erling Harland when he was younger than that? Or is that the, I mean, surely we can't beat younger than a week can is we? that the secret, though, to his success at TGI Fridays? <laughs> Proper, possibly. I have this image of Alfie Haaland, you know, with, with one of those baby carriers with a, a seven-foot <laughs> four, big burly baby, just wearing a nappy attached to his chest, going into TGI Fridays and having immense difficulty sitting down at a table and then being able to reach it with his arms. <laughs> Does he need a high chair? No, he needs a low chair. Look at him. <laughs> Did you say? Did you see the uh, the Holland interview afterwards? No. Well, you know he's got a reputation of being quite grumpy and quite difficult in interviews. He was actually really good. So there was there was um, I think three things that stood out. So one was he had scratches all over his neck. So presumably that had come from the game rather than all the all the baby Bjorn. <laughs> <laughs> or he got a kitten for Christmas or something. But yeah. But he he was asked actually. So three things then from the interview. So he was asked, did he know that he'd passed his dad's record? And he was, yes, of course. Uh, because he, apparently he is completely obsessed by goal stats. Right. He then said that when he was a kid, he had on his bedroom wall, he had posters of his dad in the Manchester City kit and Eric Becker in a Leeds kit, uh, which was sort of an interesting pairing. And the third thing was he used the phrase, I've been recharging my batteries. So he thinks he's a machine. <laughs> <for sure. laughs> Um, I went on Jack Grealish, Barry, who I got a bit of stick at halftime from the uh, from the panel, including Nader Manuha, um, uh, who was very good, I thought. Um, and then he came out in the second half and set up two goals and did everything he's meant to do. I'm not sure whether it was a good performance for Jack or not. It was certainly the proverbial game of two halves. He missed three pretty decent chances in the first half. And... Uh, a volley at the far post, uh, a square ball from Rico Lewis that he, he blasted over the bar and uh, another shot that I can't remember. Um, oh, was it the free kick? Yeah, it was, it was De Bruyne. To his feet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and he should have scored that. But um, then the second half, he capitalised on a mix-up between Robin Cock and Liam Cooper, advanced, drew... Uh, Ilian Meslier, who I thought had a brilliant game actually for Leeds, despite conceding three, uh, drew him and, and played the ball to to Haaland, who couldn't miss, and teed up Haaland again with a played a one-two with him, uh, and Haaland volleyed home the return pass uh, or stroked it home. Uh, I think under the circumstances, it was probably the bare minimum he should have done. He was getting a lot of stick from Leeds fans, which he didn't seem to bother him particularly, and why would it? Uh, but there is that debate, you know, he's City's record signing, is he proving value for money? I would say he's not yet, but I, I wouldn't write him off, 
I mean, he was getting stick off the Leeds players. I especially enjoyed Nonto having a go at him because Grealish isn't tall. And yet he was like two heads taller than Nonto in that sort of where they squared <laughs> up to each other. I was like, he can only be four foot tall. He's, I mean, he's got lovely feet, actually, Nonto. He's a wonderful player, isn't he? I mean, Leeds, Leeds Robin, I think if Gelhart, if that goes in, then we're sort of, these three games are almost rescued. There's a, there's a possibility of something exciting happening, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, Leeds are a really good team to watch if you're not too bothered about the result. Um, because they're yeah they're really exciting. It's like kind of business going forward and party at the back though, isn't it? It's really I mean again they just prone to so many quite bad individual errors. Like Barry alluded to that one where Robin Cock just had no idea that Grealish was right behind him, and then he had a free run at goals. So there was no one covering, and I mean eventually. Surely, you know Jesse Marsh is going to come under pressure because even though obviously it's difficult for him to to cut those out. I mean, it's it's just every game, every single game, they, they seem to really drop a bollock sometimes and they can't keep doing that. Yeah, I wonder, Wilson, actually, is the first goal sort of more of an issue? Because, you know, a, a player can make a mistake, right, and misplace a pass. But actually, for them to really be, count, you know, pushing in the last minute of injury time in the first half, it's still goalless. To sort of commit that many forward against City seems naive. Uh, maybe it is, but, but equally... I sort of... I'm, I always think with things like this of something Rafa Benitez said. Do you remember that game when Newcastle, did they draw with City but had, you know, like minus 3% possession or something? And, and Benitez's line was, when you're playing a team that's better than you, you've got to make the game as short as possible. And so he, what he was saying was, you basically, if you're, if you're Newcastle, as they were then, playing City, you want the game to be 10 minutes long. So you kill the game, you kill the game, you kill the game. And then in the final minutes, you have a go. And you see if you can rattle them in that time. And so maybe Leeds' thinking was, right, it's first half injury time. Maybe now is our... I mean, Leeds have a go all the time, so maybe that, that's irrelevant. But I, I just sort of think... I, I'm, I'm loath to criticise teams for, for committing too many players forward, particularly late in a half, because if they don't do that, when do they ever have a go? So I, I, I sort of... I, I mean, and, and, you know, City... It wasn't that they had sort of nine men up the pitch. City still had to play some nice passes to break them down. So I, 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 I don't think there's not many teams will score a goal like that against you. I, I wouldn't be too critical of, of that. Well, you convinced me. Um, the Leeds fans saying Calvin Phillips he eats what he wants uh, regarding <laughs> Pep Guardiola saying it's really strange this Barry isn't he? Pep sort of said he came back overweight, but I'll have a private conversation with him. You sort of think you didn't keep keep the big part of that that private, Pep. Did you? <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, I was looking at Calvin Phillips during the warm-up and I was thinking, God, I'd love to be that overweight. <laughs> I, I'm genuinely intrigued by where he found good food in Doha. Like, where yeah. was he eating? Did I have- well, I'm guessing the England uh, team brought their own team of, of chefs uh, to cater for their every need. Do you think Gareth Southgate's so nice? He said to the players that weren't going to get that many minutes... Could you just finish up the food so the the catering staff don't yeah. feel bad about it? So you know, there's him and you know, James you Madison have doesn't seconds. have a knee problem. You... He's just seven stone overweight yeah. now because he just had to eat so many Brussels sprouts and potatoes. James Madison has been ruled out because he's had too many portions of sticky toffee pudding. <laughs> exactly. Um, but as I say, I I would I would pay very good money to be as overweight as Calvin Phillips is. I. <sighs> I thought it was a bit unkind of Pep to, to mm. sort of fat shame him publicly, but he's clearly not 
you know, it's not like he had a big beer gut hanging over the waistband of his shorts. So uh, I wouldn't worry too much. I I don't know if Calvin Phillips was bothered by, by the public criticism or not. I think Pep said yesterday he's got a very sexy body. Uh, he, he backtracked somewhat. Or maybe he's just, maybe Pep's a feeder. Maybe that's how he... <laughs> <laughs> who knows who knows what goes on in the sanctity of the man city camp but um it hasn't really worked out for calvin phillips since he moved to, to city that and... does sort of uh, put a new light on the the all or nothing title of that uh, documentary <laughs> <laughs> well no he has some players he, some players that he, he he obviously needs to win games so there's some get players he sacrifices like to stay fit and then the ones he really likes he just feeds them up and they don't get any game time i mean that would have been a much a much better documentary than the one they actually put out (laughs) anyway um should we go to old trafford uh manchester united three nottingham forest nil Manchester United look quite good wilson i can you put your finger on what's different (laughs) i think forest are dreadful (laughs) i mean yeah it's just a a game where you sort of oh yeah who you uh, United had that defeat to Villa just before the the break. I mean, it might not have been the game before the break. Who can remember that far back? But I just sort of thought, yeah, maybe they 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 won't quite sort of click as they had been clicking. And you know, Forrest had shown signs that that, that maybe some of these new players were starting to, to settle in. You think well, another month of training where very few of them have been away at the World Cup, maybe that will help. And then the game starts. It's just no, it's just an absolute walkover. And yeah, maybe if that uh, Forest goal hadn't been ruled out for offside, I mean, it was offside, but maybe if that, that had stood, maybe it would have been slightly different. But it, it was just very, very straightforward. And yeah, we know United are better without Ronaldo. Um, I think I think we have, have mentioned that maybe in the past. There's a fluency to them. I think their problem at the moment is you can't rely on Martial to, to stay fit. And so, yeah, if you don't have him there, it's very hard for that front three to sort of work on their understanding and sometimes Rashford will be playing left, sometimes will be playing through the middle. They, they, they need to find a way of getting continuity there, which may, I think, well, ultimately probably will end up be, be replacing Martial. Um, but but that, that I think, is their, their issue at the minute. And Casemiro, who's been brilliant all season, had a brilliant World Cup, carried on being brilliant. I mean, Amazon missed a trick by not having like a cameraman on Ronaldo wherever he is just to cut to occasionally um, but yeah Casemiro I was like Lyon got in touch to say look Graham Souness said at some point after Casemiro was signed and he wasn't starting ahead of McTominay or something so you know Casemiro's played with great players but he's never been a great player he says is that the worst take in the history of football I presume he hasn't listened to a lot of Jordan on this pod but <laughs> but, <laughs> but like it is a bad take, Robin, isn't it? Because Casemiro, you, you don't play for Real Madrid for that long and just, you know, just happen to be near good players. <laughs> like, there's a reason why it's just sort of other people, <laughs> like just people aren't taken off the street to stand next to Cruz and Modric. But yeah, by osmosis, you kind mm. of, <laughs> you absorb the, whether your your fellow teammates are good or bad. Yeah, no, I mean, that, you're absolutely right. It's not like he was a squad player at Real Madrid. He played every single game. Um, and also, Man United do have, good players so you know he he was obviously I don't think probably not as quite as good as Real Madrid obviously but you know it's it's great to see Rashford looking as confident as he is it's been a long long time since you it looked like he he really was confident and um really liked the first goal I know there was a lot of criticism of the Nottingham Forest defense I'm sure 
Wilson, that's what you're focused on because Rashford kind of just emerged from <laughs> completely unmarked, didn't he? Um, so clearly weren't uh, weren't doing a man marking there. But no, I think they, I think United look very slick, uh, um, and yeah, opposition um, obviously were, were not great. But um, I'll be very sad to see the end of perhaps the banter years for Man United. Yeah, that is true. It, it, I mean, actually, the race for the top four, even though these three games, Barry, weren't that fascinating, the race for the top four actually is fascinating, isn't it? Because, you know, Arsenal are in the title. Arsenal will you know, it'd be unbelievable if they fell out of the top four. I know there's a lot of football yet to be played. City will push them for the title. Newcastle are flying. Spurs are somehow in fourth. <laughs> no one knows why. And then you've got Magic United and Liverpool right behind them, you know, and then Brighton and Chelsea behind there. I, I mean, it's very hard to call, but I think Magic United look given the caveat that Forest aren't great. I thought United looked really fluid in this game. Yeah, but I think it's a very important caveat that Nottingham Forest are desperate. Um, I was hugely impressed with Brighton's performance the other day. I think Newcastle finish in the top four. I think Newcastle could finish in the top two. As you say, Tottenham are somehow clinging on. I'm not sure how, but they are. And they deserve credit for that. Uh, so what, we've seven or eight teams that are going for four places and take your pick as far as I'm concerned. I I can see Spurs dropping out. I can see Liverpool not making it, but I I couldn't pick a top four with any huge amount of confidence. Mm. Wilson, is there, any, is there anybody you think sort of has the, it's hard to tell after one game back, right? Is there anyone who you think is looking incredibly solid or, or, or is a favourite to get in there? Well, I think given how far Arsenal are ahead, it'd be a big surprise if they didn't finish top four. You assume City will. And then, yeah, it's it's two from five, probably, isn't it? Um, maybe not Chelsea. So two from four. Um, I, th- I think it's real pressure on Liverpool now, especially you know, with another big signing. I mean, I don't know, 40 million counts is a big signing anymore, but big-ish signing. Um, but certainly there, the, the way they, they've been very sort of disciplined and controlling their budget, if they don't get in the Champions League, that, that puts real pressure on them. So, um, no, is the answer. Uh, just a word on Ericsson, Robin. He's such a... I mean, we know he's a wonderful footballer and we've all talked about how he was dead for a bit and now he's clearly alive and brilliant. But it's still like... It's, it's still not a story that you should understate, really. He's now a real key part of Manchester United. No, it's amazing. It, I... Still can't get my head. He was literally dead. And he's playing at the top level and playing really well. I mean, it's just, it's remarkable. It is absolutely incredible. And yeah, you're right. I mean, he's, it looks like they found a role for him where he really thrives. And he just look. he looks back to, you know, his very best for when he was playing um, at Spurs. It's It's incredible. Yeah, and actually his decision-making. Alan McCoy was mm. talking about this with City yesterday, about how, like, in that first goal, every decision that every player made was the right one. And it made football so simple. And you sort of see that with Ericsson, that every time he gets it, if he has to delay the pass, he delays it perfectly. If you have to play it early, he he does that. He's Yeah, it's just that sort of ability of a player is is you can't understate. Can I say on the Forest disallowed goal, it just did feel like right. We're going down the list. We're going to find a way. I know it was obvious it was offside in the end, but it just felt like... Oh, this is a conspiracy theory. (laughs) Well, no, it's just like, right, let's go handball, then offside. It was just like, okay, they're going to find something to to disallow this. Like, oh, you don't have a regulation haircut or something. (laughs) I I actually thought it was like, come on, they can't be... It's not like DRS, right? It's not like cricket. It's fine. You can take time to go, look, is it a fair delivery? 
did it pitch in line. I understand that process. But when everybody can see it, it's so obviously offside. You probably mm. don't need to spend half an hour checking if it's a handball. <laughs> like it just no, seems, true. <laughs> seems yeah. like a silly thing to do, uh, doesn't it? So Man United have missed out on Cody Gakpo, like Liverpool have got him. They 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 need a striker. I mean, Martial Barry scored 100 goals now, uh, 100 club goals. Not all for Man United, about 80-odd for Manchester United. But I can't work out if he's a good footballer or not. Uh, he's a good footballer sometimes, but he's not consistent enough. He's has trouble staying injury-free and... There seem to be questions over his attitude I'm, I'm, or his application. I'm not sure whether they're valid questions or not. But I don't think he's one to rely upon, just purely from the the injury point of view. He seems to spend a lot of time sidelined. But, yeah, when he's on it, he's very good. But he's, he's not um, consistent enough. Uh, all right, that'll do uh, for part one. Part two, we'll begin with Chelsea's win over Bournemouth. Welcome to part two of the Guardian Football Weekly. Chelsea 2, Bournemouth 0. Um, Chelsea had lost three games in a row, which I had completely forgotten about uh, Wilson. But this was, you know, they were 2-0 up before the game had really started. And then even though I thought like Bournemouth in the second half were good and like were definitely pushing and I think felt like they had most of the ball and most of the play, but it didn't really matter. I think Reese James is the, is the issue here that when he was on the pitch, Chelsea were much by far the better side. He went off after, what, 53 minutes? And then Chelsea sort of slowly stopped playing as well and Bournemouth slowly woke up. And the last quarter of the game, I think Bournemouth had, I think, was it six shots to Chelsea's two? I think Chelsea, and this isn't a new thing, this isn't a grand part thing, this was true, I think, under Tuchel as well. They're massively reliant on their fullbacks. So when when Reese James starts, they win 64% of games. When he doesn't start, they win 36 when Ben Chilwell starts, they win 75% of games. When he doesn't start, it's 36. When they both start, they win 80% of games. So they're desperate for those attacking fullbacks. That's for the quite, uh, you know, it just doesn't have the legs anymore to get up and down the way that Reese James can, whether he's playing at fullback or, or wingback. Kukureo, I think, is nowhere near as good a player as Chilwell. Everything else about Chelsea it all boils down to the fullbacks and how they fit. And the way that they their level fell off in the final 20, 25 minutes of that game after James had gone off, I think is a massive worry, and they've, they've got they've got Forest coming up at the weekend, which Forest away, so maybe it's a bit harder there. But you'd assume that's a relatively straightforward game. But then they've got the back-to-back games against City, one in the league, one in the in the FA Cup, and I think not having James for for well certainly the league game of those two, I think is a huge loss. I mean, I think he's going to be out another three or four weeks. I think Chill was another couple of weeks before he gets back. But it's just it's just weird that they're so reliant on 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 those positions that. Doesn't seem doesn't seem matter what shape they play. They're always reliant on the on the, on the fullbacks. And I, I think maybe it's to do partly with the fact that they don't have a proper centre forward. That that um, Aubameyang is a, you know just sort of a, a stopgap while they wait for, for something else to turn up. Uh, partly, I think their wide players. The issues with all of them that Ziyech has no end product. That uh, Sterling's decision making is a, has always been a bit erratic. I thought he had a good first half when when he. Um, you know, when, when Chelsea were more on top, he, he, he was more involved in the play. Uh, I think Pulisic, he's very good at running quickly in straight lines, but lacks a bit of imagination. And I think the midfield is is quite samey. Um, the, the Jorginho, Kante when he's fit, Kovacic, they're all nice players who circulate the ball, who win the ball back, but they don't give you much drive, they don't give you much thrust. 
And so everything then comes down to Mason Mount. Who is quite good, Robin. And, and, and weirdly sort of... He's not the sort of hate figure of England fans, but, you know, he's the kind of, oh, not Mason Mount. He's not quite as exciting as all the other ones. Yeah, I don't, I don't get that at all. He's kind of, yeah, he's been branded sort of teacher's pet, hasn't he, um, under Gareth Southgate. But I just think, I love watching him. Everything he does is immaculate. His finish was was brilliant. And I know his levels maybe have dropped slightly this season, but I, I think he, his decision-making and, and, as Will said, his drive is fantastic. No, I, I, I never understood that really the kind of criticism of him but yeah maybe it's he doesn't yeah maybe he doesn't kind of do a step over or something I don't know I don't know what it is really but um yeah I mean Chelsea are lucky to have him for sure I think you're right I think it is it's pretty much that spot on it is if he just did a couple of step overs (laughs) you know and maybe you know did like a a TikTok of doing some keepy ups if he did that Anthony like like all the turn for no reason (laughs) <laughs> just spun around. That would be fine. I don't know if you saw Barry. Did you see? I think it was Zachariah who went down, was knocked out, um, and no one seemed to care about it and, and he got up. and I, I, Did he play on? I think he did play on, but it's. A... He did, yeah. He, he, I think it was a free kick or something. He went, he clattered his head off someone's hip and went down. And he did look to have been knocked out briefly. Uh, Kepa looked very concerned. And the medics came on and treated him for a few minutes and he was back on the pitch within four or five minutes and it it was it wasn't a really obvious one and it sort of went under the radar but again it, it just showed um just uh how how little interest or concern there seems to be about players suffering from concussions i mean we saw lots of it during the world cup so nico williams uh, it took a while to come off after getting a Marcus Rashford free kick straight in the top of his head, full force. The Iran goalkeeper insisting on playing on when he clearly was, you know, away with the fairies. Um, but you know, <laughs> it's nothing new. No, Jim says after Mark Cucurella ended up in odd boots against Bournemouth. Have you noticed any other pleasingly Sunday League things since the return of the greatest league in the world? It did. It, it made me feel like an old man with. How astonished I was at how easily his his original boot ripped apart. I was like, these mod- that that wouldn't happen to a Puma King, you know. It was ridiculous, but I enjoyed him clogging about in odd boots. You could just imagine the kit man frantically trying to find a matching boot, and then just going, I I just can't find another left matching Cucurella boot. I'll give him this one. But um, Wilf- Wilfred Nonto leads Wilfred Nonto in the game last night. He was wearing a pair of sort of bright orange boots which Ali McCoy's took great glee in um, slagging off <laughs> and saying wouldn't have been allowed in the Rangers dressing room back in my day but at one stage his lace opened and he had to get someone else to tie it for him and I, I was just wondering like were his hands so cold that he couldn't tie his own lace or is he actually not able to to tie <laughs> his laces maybe he's not maybe he's really young mm. maybe he's like like three years old you know and hasn't learned yet with the the shoelaces and the cardboard. Well, the, the rabbit ears, shoe. and then the <laughs> is that yeah? You know, do, do the Cowan Juniors do they are they capable of doing this? I don't know. Oh, what no, they no are, just two. I mean, I mean, I, I'm going to stick, <laughs> stick with Velcro as long as possible. I mean, I, I no, apply that to idea. me as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, Robert says, can Barry name one film that the Bournemouth co-owner Michael B. Jordan has been in? Space Jam. Correct. Well done. I, it, my mind was blown that it's Wallace from The Wire. I mean, that was that that really completely threw me that he is 
Wallace in The what? Wire. Yeah. That guy. Oh, so, oh, sorry. I thought you were talking about Michael Jordan. No, 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 that's the thing. Michael B. Jordan, who is the new co-owner of Bournemouth, was in Space Jam, A New Legacy. I was very impressed that you okay. knew that, Barry, but you didn't. You just knew that Michael Jordan no. was in the original Space Jam. But yeah, Michael B. Jordan, who was Wallace in The Wire. Um, Where's Wallace at? Wallace Wallace met a grisly end in The Wire. I didn't want to give any spoilers for anyone who hasn't watched it. Come yet. on, it's like... 30 years 30 ago 30 years now. old yeah. it's safe. you could have had Black Panther Creed Justice League the Flashpoint para- Paradox he was in one episode of House in 2012 amongst other things but yeah now he's the co-owner of, of Bournemouth I watched an interview um, some chap from the BBC sort of got the very first interview with the new B- Bournemouth owner Bill Foley and Foley came across very well in it. Now, I'm loath to say, you know, he's a great guy because American billionaires generally tend not to be great guys. You don't become a billionaire by being a great guy. But he has big plans for Bournemouth, you know, new training ground and academy. I think they want to build a new stadium, which would be on the current training facility. Now, I must confess, I, I don't know where Bournemouth train or how far it is from the vitality or whatever. Um, he he did have a worrying plan to have uh, pre-game events, some of which were, and I quote, skits. Oh, <laughs> what? Involving, Comedy yeah. skits? Involving who? I think so. Who's, whose line is it anyway? <laughs> I've born sort of himself. <laughs> sort of improv. I'm, I'm not sure how um, Gary O'Neill would... Will, can't, you know, Gary, we need you to perform in a skit. <laughs> Unless I misheard. Hang, hang on. Let, let, let's not knock this. Maybe we can get an enormous amount of money to do some kind of pre-game mm. live pod. Yeah, yeah. yeah, But it's not really a skit, is it? It's not a... I wouldn't say we're going to do a sketch show. Neither um, is it in any sense a serious or professional kind of production, yeah. so... We could recreate the stool slapping scene on, <laughs> on the pitch at halftime or something. Uh, and he, he mentioned that he'd been to the Vitality Stadium for a game and he said, everyone looked like me, old and white. Uh, so he wants more diversity and more women at games. Uh, and then he also said, uh, I'm a dictator. When I'm involved, I like to be captain of the ship. But I think the main takeout was that the main reason he bought Bournemouth was because it was far cheaper than trying to get a, a franchise, an MLS franchise in Las Vegas, because that would have cost him like a billion dollars before he'd even bought a player. So uh, True. But, you know, Las Vegas would have been a better place for pre-game skits, <laughs> I imagine. So you're going to wheel out sort of Bournemouth legends. Yeah. You know, like Steve Fletcher, you're right, is handed a prop and then Richard Ranch is at the piano and he has to sort of sing a song about the prop. I mean, I would go to more Bournemouth games. So, like, he's got me. If he was at, had a Vegas franchise, he'd just get Carrot Top out to squash fruit with a mallet. <laughs> Or Celine Dion, she's doing her residency. I don't know what you're doing. Literally don't know what. Who is Carrot Top? Carrot Top is a famous American comedian, and basically his entire act is hitting fruit with a mallet. Wow. And it served him very well. <laughs> it sounds good, actually. Wouldn't he get those two? I'm sure we've talked about them before. You know, the people who sort of tamed lions not very well. Siegfried and Roy getting lions 
but not really like they'd have they'd be in a big cave. Because one of them was killed by a I think lion so, yes. Right? Yeah. So you know, one of, one of the Bournemouth Adam Smith is under threat because he's in the he's in with the lion before the game. It's you know, will Adam Smith be fit for the game? We don't know. He's got to get past this white lion. Did you see sorry, did you see the new Gillingham owner? Yes, by a Christmas tree, um slightly sort of hostage. One by... of the most terrifying videos <laughs> I've ever seen. Um but they got good plans for Gillingham. I'd be excited as a Gillingham fan. I mean, I enjoyed the video. Would you? This. I'd be terrified. Um, what they did say, I don't have the transcript, but they sort of said some of the things we need to do include scoring more goals. So, like, that's, <laughs> that is true, you know, because they don't have a great record at the moment. They had a very big Christmas tree. So, so the, the the woman, when whenever the bloke, the bloke has a ponytail, which only became apparent as the video <laughs> kind of went on because it occasionally moved his head, you could see it. But you see the woman mouthing his words for him. It was obviously on an auto cue or a card or something. And you, you could see her like reading along and her lips moving as he was speaking. Maybe she's a ventriloquist. <laughs> <laughs> which is not a very good one. <laughs> she could play at Bournemouth. She's a bad ventriloquist. <laughs> That's what you need. Who's, who's they're taking out Gillingham? Who's taking over Maidstone? Keith Harris. Isn't exciting, isn't he? Um, anyway, uh, this weekend's Premier League games. It doesn't appear to be a fascinating set of fixtures. Now, the, the last time I said that, it was the, like, the greatest weekend of football ever. You're, where are you going, Robin? I'm at West Ham, Brentford tomorrow. So, I mean, it, it, what's interesting to me about this is that David Moyes seems to be, his his sort of money in the bank seems to be running out a little bit um, with every... Mm. Obviously, they played Arsenal, who were very, very good, um, but they've got some really, um, really tough... Well, they've got some big fixtures coming up. So they've got Brentford, Leeds, Wolves, then Everton are their next four Premier League fixtures. And you just think if they don't start picking up points then, then maybe he might be sacked yet again from a, from West Ham. Um, so yeah, that's 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 for me. That's the interesting thing. <laughs> no, I think I think you're right. I mean, Arsenal go to Brighton, which seems like a tricky game, Barry. It is a tricky game, um, and one I wouldn't be hugely surprised if Brighton won. They they seem to be very very impressive under uh, Mister Deserby. I wouldn't necessarily agree with you when you say it's not a particularly interesting lineup. I think Wolves Manu is interesting. Man City, Everton, if City win that, will Frank Lampard make it to New Year's Day? Don't know. Fulham, Southampton is mildly interesting. Newcastle, Leeds is a big game. I suppose just purely because they're still kind of under new management. Um, Tottenham, Aston Villa, like will Tottenham go behind again at home? And they will. come back to... to <laughs> Yeah, I'd, I'd say it's probably a certainty. I think uh, Arsenal-Brighton in particular, because Brighton have a really good record against Arsenal, actually, in, re- in the Premier League, especially at home. They've really caused them problems. And that was the... So if you remember, I think I think it was during lockdown when Mope injured Leno and people have pinpointed that as the rise of um, Emi Martinez because he got his chance and then right. he's won the World Cup. Yes. Uh, the big size says, can Wilson give me some context when a big club gets relegated and how to handle it as an Everton fan? As Barry said, they go to Man City. Don't expect them to get anything from that. Um, in your experience as a big club going down, how do you feel? And do you think, I mean, Everton are in trouble. Aren't they? Well, the, yeah, the thing the thing I think you should avoid is immediately going down to League One the following season. <laughs> I think... I think it, Allowing Netflix in. No, I think, I think the Netflix <laughs> thing was the one saving grace. I think kind of, mm. yeah, it was the only thing that went right over that two seasons. Yeah, I, th- I think if we had our time again, getting relegated for a second successive season, probably probably we wouldn't do. 
Uh, <laughs> but you know, the, the the playoff final was was great. Uh, that was fun. Sunderland at the minute they they built the perfect side that um, they're not that great at the back, so they don't win that many games. But they've got loads of really attractive, neat midfielders, so they play really good football and score really nice goals. But we're in no danger of getting promoted, so or or relegated. So it's all fine. It's it's sort of a nice pressure free season. But uh, yeah, I mean, as any Everton fan, I think would agree. Sunderland fans would agree that that the real football was played in the eighteen nineties, and everything since has been slightly, <laughs> a slightly you know weak imitation. Uh, there's this ersatz modern game. Liverpool play Leicester City. They confirmed Cody Gakpo um, between forty and fifty million euros. Uh, Lars was on saying he, he was sort of unsure where where Gakpo fits into Liverpool's front line when they're all fully fit. I guess that's not an issue that they have to worry about at the moment because they're not all fully fit. Ashworth Parks has been in touch. And it's not a person. It's an architecture firm. Um, uh, but says, what is a transfer window? I thought you could only conduct your business during a specified period. With the signing of Gakpo by Liverpool before January the 1st, is that no longer the case? I don't remember this happening before. Does anybody know? Well, no, just you, you can register a player in the window. You can sign a player anytime you want. You can do whatever deals you want whenever you feel like it. But the, the actual, because what, you, what you're transferring is not the player. You're, 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 the thing you're paying for is the registration and you can register a player in the windows. So, and you obviously can't play until you're registered. So you can, you can sign a player, yeah, 10 years in advance if you want to, but it's when the registration moves, it's the issue. Now we know. Thank you, Wilson. Um, and that'll do for part two. Part three, we'll do some EFL, a uh, bit of Fit Bar and any other business. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Welcome to part three of the Guardian Football Weekly. Uh, Dean Smith sacked by Norwich. They're fifth, but 15 points off the top spot. Only three wins in the last 13. Producer Joel says it's going to be Scott Parker. He he braved freezing cold temperatures to be on Amazon Prime to let the world know he was still available. Sadly, uh, Dean Smith was sacked just after the last pod, so Jordan Jarrett Bryan didn't get a chance to sort of crow about it. Um, does that does that fit, Robin? Uh, Scott Parker to Norwich. I mean, probably he's he's got a good recent record in the Championship, hasn't he? You know, promotion with Fulham and, and Bournemouth. Yeah, I mean, for Dean Smith, I, I, I felt immediately when he took that job, having been out of work for the grand total of a week, I think, after he'd been sacked at Aston Villa, that he shouldn't have taken it. It's a, it's a difficult job because you're not expected to stay up. They didn't really, he didn't, they didn't make a great fist of it last season at all. And you are expected to get promoted again um, and nothing less. So I think it's it, not a great job uh, to have I understand why managers kind of you know they they get paranoid about being out of work don't they but I feel like for him that wasn't a great decision yeah I just think when you take over a team that's clearly on on its way down it's happened with uh Jan Sievert at Huddersfield yes 
you, you, you go you go you start the next season with so much negative baggage already. Uh, whereas if you come in in the summer to a relegated club, you know everybody's ready to bounce and you can be part of that bounce rather than the bloke who oversaw a decline. So I, I think, yeah, it, it was very much a, it felt like a rebound acceptance of the job. And then, I mean, I, I actually watched the game against, I was, uh, I was, I was watching with a, with a Norwich season ticket holder, watched their game against Luton. And they were, they were quite unlucky in that game. They got, a, they got battered first half, but second half, we were probably the better side. Luton had a man sent off and then just a ball dropped in the box and Corley Woodrow smashed it in the top corner. One of the greatest finishes you'd ever see. It was about an inch under the bar, an inch inside the post. So I, I know he hasn't been sacked for one game, but he seemed a little bit unlucky. And I, my, my mate was was sort of, he, he sort of, I wouldn't say he's pro-Dean Smith, but he's certainly not anti him, sort of felt that there's a lot of impatience among Norwich fans that they've... Didn't he start to, the previous home game, he kind of criticised the fans a bit? Well, he said something like he was looking forward to getting another away game so he wouldn't have to deal with the fans. He was, something along those yeah. lines, which is not, a, yeah, that's a sign things have gone wrong, I agree. I like the way your, your mate is strictly Dean Smith neutral. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not, not, not pro, not anti. Do you think most people on earth neutral. are probably that, aren't they? You just think generally <laughs> yeah. of the 8 billion people or something. I suspect most people are sort of indifferent to Dean Smith. I mean, it's quite interesting about like the stock of a manager, right? And the decisions that you take and kind not how random it is, but how careful you've got to be and how you can't, you know, you, you, you are beholden to sort of luck in in a way, or maybe just you fit at some places and you don't, because his stock was so high at Brentford, right? And then the move to Villa seemed actually quite sensible, Robin. And then suddenly now you're like, where's Dean Smith's next gig, right? Well, and also the thing is, it's the guy next uh, after you. So Steven Gerrard did not do well. And if he'd just, you know, kept his powder dry a bit, he looked a lot better <laughs> because mm. the guy after him wasn't doing that well. Obviously he didn't know that was going to happen, but... Yeah, no, it's it's really interesting how you kind of, you go down and down, down. I mean, we're going to mention Gillingham again. Neil Harris has gone from sort of quite a lofty position in the championship. Now he's managing a League Two team that are struggling. So where do you go next if he gets the boot? You know, it, it is, it, I find that really fascinating about management. Well, I think Frank Lampard as well, if he does lose the Everton mm. job, has he got one more crack at the championship club? He hasn't got many. Premier League, I mean. No, I mean championship. Oh, really, yeah. Okay. I, do, do you, I mean, who in the who in the Premier League would appoint him? I mean, you, you could imagine him maybe going back to. I know they're not Championship anymore, but I know, but but may, maybe he's got enough credit in the bank at Derby to to go back there. But I think already, if Lampard leaves Everton, he's looking mid-table Championship and below. I'm guessing his his ego would not would not be willing to accept that. Mm, and that's interesting about Mark Hughes, who I I sort of. Uh, you know, have heard on the great, I don't know, sort of has quite an ego, but has sort of swallowed that to go, with all due respect to Bradford, you know, who's gone to Bradford. It's sort of quite refreshing to see, you know, a manager who has managed at the absolute top level, whether you think he's good or not, take a side down there. And, and you know, because they are totally different, they're totally different existences, right? Well, that's, that's the point, isn't it? They're, well, they're just different jobs. They require a different skill set. Uh, you know, in the same way that, you know, the the... The bloke who's in charge of BP wouldn't necessarily be a good manager of your, your local petrol station. It's it's a different job, sort of um, sticking together things on a shoestring. Players who actually can't really play football to the level you're used to in League One to go into a Premier League club and having to deal with massive egos, and that's where I think Graham Potter is really interesting. That he, yeah, Ostersund, he's having the players perform Swan Lake, and it's very much a holistic sort of building him as people. I mean. Kaladi Kulibali is not going to perform in Swan Lake. I mean, he should be an excellent ballet dancer, but he's not. He's not going to be not going to accept performing in Swan Lake. 
So you got to completely change your side. Yeah. Of I mean, I mean, the the Bournemouth, the new Bournemouth owners will be putting on Swan Lake. Just <laughs> 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 in in terms of um, Scott Parker taking the the Norwich job, uh, if he does. I mean, he got sacked from Bournemouth from basically coming out and saying this team isn't good enough to play in the Premier League to stay up. And every Norwich side that has been promoted in recent years, and there have been quite a few, <laughs> you take one look at it and go, this Norwich team is not good enough to stay in the Premier League. And they haven't been. So if he sh- does get them promoted, uh, it will be interesting to see what happens after that. Uh, David Wagner is five to four on favourite, actually. Scott Parker's oh, really? second favourite. So, yeah, so, you know, that presumably, uh, you know, they know something that we don't. Well, it sort of makes sense, though, doesn't it? Sort of a, um, you're following the Farker legacy, a, a sort of progressive German hard pressing manager. I think that's, there's a logic there. Also, isn't the sport, is it Stuart Webber's the. Um... Mm. He's at Norwich, isn't he? He was at Huddersfield with him, was he? So maybe there's hope for a Jan Sievert yeah. comeback. The, the Farker legacy sounds like. <laughs> does it sound like a good or a bad film? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure. Hey, Robin, you now host an Oxford United podcast. What's it called? Um, it's called Wasn't It the Game, the dub. Yeah, so it, it's a sort of it's a it's a local joke because the previous phone into our sports editor. Um, a lot of people kind of, they started off with, I wasn't at the game, Jerome, but, and, then, yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's usually local radio um, stuff. So yeah, but it's, a, no, it's, it's enjoyable. Um, get to talk about Oxford United. Um, not much positive going on there at the moment. Um, yeah. Our, our manager, Carl Robinson is, um, he's up for debate as to whether he should be, he should stay on, but um We've got Arsenal at home in the FA Cup, oh, so that's good. the thing that everyone's looking forward to. Yeah, tight at the bottom of League One, and you're 15th, just two points ahead of uh, the real use. <laughs> Ryan says, come on, mate, give the people what they want. A special pod all about the corner routine. We spent some time in between part two and three to watch Crawley Town's viral corner, which I, I think, Barry, he um, <laughs> Barry's, doesn't, Barry does not want to talk about the corner. He's gone. <laughs> Hang on. He's back again. Um, Barry, I came to you at the, the wrong time. Well, I, I do, but I had to go and get a, a tissue. Oh, sorry. Oh, dear Barry. And and now I have to mute. To blow your nose. Will you survive the pods? It's so extraordinary. It's live. <laughs> Barry blowing his nose. There he is. He really gives it a, you know, it's a strong, a strong, a second wipe now. Really just getting everything out. And uh, he is back with us. Nowhere near getting everything out, Max. But okay. we don't want to talk about the contents of my uh, <coughs> lungs slash nose. Anyway, carry on. The corner routine, the crawly. It looks to me like he's he's trying to the, the corner's trying to knock it to the edge of the box for someone to volley in, but wildly <laughs> overhits it. <laughs> so stunned, and so the player has to knock it back to the centre back. Is that right, or does it just go straight uh, back to the centre back? It knocks back to the keeper. Doesn't well, no, but like then the, key- the corner goes straight to the centre-back who has to turn around and play it back to the keeper who then just hoys <laughs> it and then it into the stand. I was going to say, Max, the, 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 the word routine, I think, is slightly <laughs> overstating it. It's just one of those moments a Crawley fan, you sit there going, I've paid to come here, right? These guys are paid to do this and that is what they have come, that is what they have served me in this 10 seconds. It was really good. Andy says, any chance of a fit bar roundup? Preview of the old firm. 
Uh, seeing as it's a quiet one otherwise. Uh, Celtic are nine points clear of Rangers. They both won last night. Uh, it, it is the old firm on Monday. We'll get you and Murray on from his jazz, jazz bar on a pod soon. Pre-pod, Barry announced he was too ill to watch Scottish football. <laughs> <laughs> Funnily enough, I did actually see um, the the Sky Sports News section devoted to Fitbar this morning. Yeah. And they, they led with... The big story in Scottish football yesterday was apparently Hearts beating St. Johnston at away for the first time in 14 years or something like that. And I thought, yeah, I was right not to say I was too <laughs> ill to, to, to do a football corner if that's the best they could come up with. Ah, we're never going to fill Glasgow um, again, are we, with this sort of nonsense? Uh, Lancaster Beezus, did Neymar already have tickets for the New Year's Eve firework display in Rio? Um, yeah, he got uh, he got two bookings in two minutes for PSG. Uh, first for a foul, second for an excellent dive. Uh, a minute later, fifth red card since joining um, uh, PSG. Uh, Mbappe scored a late penalty to give them a victory over Strasbourg. We'll do a Euro pod soon, uh, so you don't have to look at any of those league tables. Chris says, "Ask Robin about her subtle use of getting it launched on Boxing Day." Yes, Robin, we enjoyed that. Was that specifically for us? I hope so. It was. It was obviously. And yes, I am very pro getting it launched, especially for Brentford because they do it with precision and style. So uh, yeah. No. So are we trying to say they? Because you can't just say they get it launched. You have to say no, they no, get no. it launched, but in a very measured and controlled. What they know what they're doing. By getting exactly. it launched. Yeah. I love watching. I think Brentford my favourite Premier League team to watch. And yeah, getting it launched is um, is a big part of that. And they are they your favourite? All right, because of that, really? Yeah. I mean, I don't... They're, they're direct, but it's in a good way. And they're really... Yeah, they're really fun to watch. They're really energetic. I mean, it, again, like, I know you covered it, but they were all over Spurs. Mm. And they, they maybe they ran out of steam a bit. But they're a great team to watch. Really great team. Uh, Autumn says, uh, could we get the pod's thoughts on the Guardian 11? Uh, this is Dave Mitchell over on Twitter, who uh, in the last couple of days, he tweeted, on the la- latest Guardian pod, Lars Sivertsen felt the need to clarify that he wasn't a centre-back. My head is hurting today, so I'm having a sofa day. I'm going down the wormhole of what the Guardian 11 would look like. Uh, and then he's put together a side uh, um, of Glenn Denning in goal, a back four of uh, Jarrett Bryan at right back, Bandini left back, Lou and Bruin centre backs, uh, me and Wilson as holding midfielders. Well, Ronnie and O'Claire on the wing, Siverton in the hole, and Nader Manua up front. So, Robin, you can be very annoyed that you weren't selected. Not at all. Uh, Although, would Barry come up for a corner and score the header? Was- <laughs> well, that's the point. Well, Many people got in touch on that yeah. note. Craig said, a bit harsh on Barry, given his, given his well documented aerial prowess. <laughs> um, Michael says, can't have. Barry in goal, if he's been asked, would you have scored that goal on a weekly basis? <laughs> this uh, this is from Richard in Montreal. Says, following on Max's revelation, there's a painting of Richard Keyes in the Rijksmuseum. The pod may be interested to know there's also a painting of David Luiz hanging in the Kunsthistorische in Vienna. Uh, are we being pranked? See attached? It is quite a good picture of uh, David Luiz. Uh, I will forward it on. Uh, Dylan said, did Barry having COVID preclude the annual bench warming date between Barry and Wilson? Did you get to meet on Clapham Common with a glass of wine? No, because Barry was ill. Oh, dear. So. Yeah, we, we were supposed to do it yesterday, but I just wasn't fit for purpose. Wow. Will it happen before the new year, do you think? I would say it's very unlikely. Yeah, I'm, I'm going away for a couple of days, so oh. no. Okay. Uh, did did producer Joel says did Wilson go and sit on the bench alone? No, I, I didn't. I didn't. Not 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 this year. I, I think I did that the previous year. Yes, um, you did. but that that was your solidarity. Happened. Yeah, I happened to be uh, 
on a walk that went through Clamp Common anyway. So, um, and I happened to have a bottle. Well, no need to ruin it. <laughs> I, yeah, and obviously I directed my walk deliberately to uh, to, to raise a glass. Uh, oh, I, oh, I oh. took the wine and, and glass with me. Yeah, that's true. So you know, it's still it's not totally ruined. Yeah, oh, okay, well, maybe we'll all get together. I'd say in the summer to do that um, uh, uh, and that feels like enough of today uh, I thought we were quite a good pot out of three really boring football matches thank you Wilson cheers thank you happy new year thanks Barry thank you cheers Robin thanks Max uh, Football Weekly was produced by Joel Grove our executive producer is Max Sarnison we'll be back on Monday. this is The Guardian <laughs> 